I was encouraged by that word uh, that Kathy shared about, you know, we're authentic. And I hope that each one of you take that personally because the church is not me or it's not just the, uh, the board. It's not just those in ministry leadership. The church is each and every one of us. And maybe this is your first Sunday here. Maybe, maybe you've been coming for months or years. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're part of the body of Christ if you've accepted Jesus as Lord. And if you're plugging in here as your, as your local church, if this is a body of believers that you're joined to, then you are the church. And as we work together, we, we work to fulfill the vision that God has for this church. And what I'm talking about today, this, this final series about uh, being filled, we've been looking at different scriptures about uh, what God means when He talks about being Spirit-filled or having a full life, being filled, different references in Scripture. And today I, I want to talk about the spiritual gifts. And it really goes with... The vision that God gave me when I became the pastor of this church about almost 12 years ago, that, that when I became, when I went from the assistant pastor to the pastor and, uh, and I was praying and seeking God and, you know, you're supposed to develop a vision statement and that's a big, big thing. You define your vision. And, and one way, the best way that I've heard vision, you know, a vision statement or what a vision is, is, is what does it look like? You know, what, what do you want the ministry to look like? And what I came away with is I want this church's ministry to look like Jesus' ministry. And so I look at Jesus' ministry, and you know, Jesus did not water down His preaching, did He? Alright? Jesus didn't hide the Holy Spirit, Right? And, and miracles and manifestations of power. When you read the story of Jesus' ministry, people were healed. Demons were cast out. All kinds of crazy things happened. Yet, at the same time, He did that ministry in a way that drew tens of thousands. And the people He drew were the unreligious, the non-religious people. The religious people would come and criticize but the, the, by the tens of thousands, this is a regular people, people that were hungry for uh, seeing God move in their day. Just regular people, tax collectors, prostitutes, drunks, <laughs> along with just families. You know, thousands would go out and see him and follow him. Uh, and and in in that in his ministry, all of the, the moving of the Holy Spirit was free. And the preaching of the word was with power, and tens of thousands of unchurched people, if you will, people who were not accustomed to going to religious meetings, flocked to him. All right? uh, and that's what the vision of this ministry—a people-friendly ministry, a ministry where families can come, their kids can get ministry, and, the, and the adults can get ministry, and people can be edified, but also challenged to embrace the things of God and the things of the Holy Spirit. People-friendly, but power-oriented. In other words, a church that is comfortable and understands how to flow in the things of the Holy Spirit and the things of power. And uh, so that's that's what I'm going to. I actually wanted to talk more about. Some of the more unusual manifestations of the Holy Spirit. I used to think I knew what. Could you turn the microphone down a little bit, Josh? Uh, I, used, I used to think I knew what being filled with the Holy Spirit was, and uh, and the, and the, because I, I spoke in tongues and uh, experienced a lot of spiritual gifts when I first got saved in, in the church uh, that I got saved in. It was a different church, um, and then. About 15 years ago, uh, we experienced uh, a whole new level 
when we encountered uh, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it really affected the whole world. And it took, took me to a whole new level in, in seeing many manifestations like falling down and rolling around and getting drunk, uh, laughing uncontrollably, weeping uncontrollably, visions, seeing angels, uh, seeing other uh, manifestations. Uh, so so my, I wanted to talk a lot about that, but after last Sunday's sermon, I got a lot of questions about speaking in tongues. And, and so we're going to kind of focus in on that and... Um, uh, we're going to mention the other things, uh, but kind of focus in. Just, I just want to do a Bible teaching, basically, on, on spiritual gifts and especially tongues. If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to verse, uh, start with verse 1. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. <laughs> Concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you all to be ignorant. Uh, and as Paul communicates, so do I. I want you to be informed about the things of the Spirit. And actually, that word spiritual there, the word gifts is, is not in the original. It's just, it, it's, it's concerning the spiritual or the divine or the supernatural. It could be translated in any of those terms. So concerning things supernatural, I don't want you to be ignorant. Um, concerning the endowments of the Holy Spirit or the power gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. Um, chapter 12 through uh, 14, uh, 12 and 14 especially deal with all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit or operating the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the context of a church meeting. And this is... Very important to understand that Paul's goal in writing this, these chapters are to teach a church how to function, how to use spiritual gifts in the context in, an, or in a church meeting like we have right now. Right? He's not teaching primarily about the spiritual gifts in the operation of a person's uh, personal life. But we can get a lot of information about that out of uh, this chapter. <clears throat> Understanding that... Uh, Paul's uh, goal was to bring uh, an order that bears fruit into their church meetings. It's really important to understand some of the things that people misunderstand and misinterpret uh, through these scriptures and apply it generally to speaking in tongues and the other gifts when, uh, um, when he's talking about how, to, how they function within a church meeting. Uh, all of the gifts are to function outside of church. I got an amen and a really. <laughs> In fact, you know, consider church practice. Okay? This is rehearsal for the real thing. What's the real thing? The real thing starts when you walk out this building. You know, people that want to have ministry within the church are mistaken. Okay, my job and people who minister in church are to equip you to do the work of ministry, the real work of ministry, which happens when you're at work. And so you should be all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant to be done in the streets. You know, Jesus did not do hardly any miracles in synagogues. Almost all of his miracles were on the street. If you want to if you want to see the Holy Spirit move, let him move in your life. On Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. Okay, come to church, get get built up and encouraged and learn some stuff. Go back out and do it. That's the whole. That's the way it works. 
Alright? And so, <clears throat> we're supposed to understand, learn how to use the gifts out into, in the real world. And not just held within the church. Uh, <clears throat> and there are lists. I'm going to go through three separate lists of uh, spiritual gifts. But one of the things, and, and this is a somewhat quote from Bill Johnson, you know, God is in the list, but the list doesn't contain God. <clears throat> when the Bible gives a list, none of the lists in the Bible are um, exhaustive. In other words, it, it doesn't cover everything. It's just these are some of the things that represent the idea that we're talking about. Okay? And so all of the lists of God are just um, examples or reference points, uh, and, and they're not comprehensive because the Bible is not a textbook. Okay? This was a letter written to a particular church, and he's writing down some things. It wasn't a studied-out form that, uh, that people wrote <clears throat> like a textbook. And so in Romans, so you have lists of gifts, but they're, they're a little different in each place. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, it says, Having gifts according, <clears throat> differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. So this is an acknowledged list of spiritual gifts. Um, that, that's one of the lists. Prophecy, faith, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, uh, leading, and, and mercy. <clears throat> so these are diff- all spiritual gifts. And then another place in Ephesians chapter 4, we have another list. And these, this is a list of uh, offices, uh, but it's, it's, they are gifts because it says, and he gave himself, this is Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministering, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And so those are individual people that were given a particular gifting of either apostle, prophet, teacher, whatever. And then in Corinthians, the chapter that we're, we're kind of launching from, 1 Corinthians uh, 12, <clears throat> 5 through 11 says, There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are differences of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, um, uh, the discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. And the idea of spiritual gifts and the word spiritual uh, that I talked about earlier in, in 1 Corinthians, that these are supernatural things. These are not mere talents or uh, abilities that you have. Everyone has natural talents and abilities that uh, some are better at certain things than others. But this is a whole different level. This is, these are spiritually endowed gifts, Holy Spirit-given gifts. As uh, Corinthians here says, that they're all the work of the same Spirit. The manifestation or the, the uh, activity, <coughs> the ministry, they all come from the Spirit. So these are not human Activities; these are supernatural. Everybody say supernatural. 
All right. So they're, they're above our natural abilities, uh, uh, ways in which the Holy Spirit manifests or reveals. Manifest is just a, a, a word that means make known to the senses. OK, what are the senses? You have five senses. What are they? Sight, hearing, taste, smell, and touch. All right. And some people have the six, but we don't talk about it. <laughs> no. So it's to make known, to, it's to make audible, to make visual, to make something that you can actually touch. And so these are expressions of the Holy Spirit that are beyond our natural abilities for the purpose of revealing His will. There's actually 20 different, or there's over 20 different spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament. We're not going to go into all of them. Uh, in this uh, verse that I just read, three different words are used to um, talk about them. Ministries, activities, and manifestations. They're all three different words, but they're just, Paul's trying to get across the idea that all of these different things are ways that the Holy Spirit works through us, in us and through us, and they're supernatural activities to express uh, or uh, accomplish something that the Spirit wants to do. The word uh, gifts in, when it is uh, translated in this uh, chapter and throughout most of the New Testament is uh, um, charisma. It's just a, a Greek word called charisma from which we get the term charismatic. And, of course, there's a, a charismatic personality, you know, someone who is very charismatic. And that's just a natural a personality type. That's not what we're talking about. Uh, it's, it's a gift. The word charisma is, is uh, from, based on the root word charis, which is the word grace, which is, you know, the gift that God has given us. And so it's an expression of the gift. It's just a gift. And a charismatic church, we are a church, we are a charismatic church because we emphasize, we uh, believe in and practice all of the charismatic gifts. Where certain uh, branches of the church uh, over the years have uh, decided that they don't believe in the charismatic gifts or they don't know how to operate in the charismatic gifts, we kind of specialize in them. <laughs> Is that all right? <laughs> um, uh, the minister, let's see. Dun, 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 dun. All of the gifts have the same source, the Holy Spirit, and so they're intended to be used according to His purpose and according to His character or the fruit of the Spirit. And so all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are intended to be used to fulfill the Holy Spirit's purpose and they're to be done in a way that communicate uh, His character. And the Holy Spirit's character is love, joy, peace, loving kindness, you know, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control. And so if someone is operating in a spiritual gift and they're not coming across that way, it's a mix. <laughs> All right. Maybe it's a genuine gift, but they got some flesh going on or their own natural uh, 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 personality is kind of uh, spicing it. Does that make sense? All right. It doesn't mean the gift isn't uh, authentic, but it, it may mean that they're not operating out of the spirit. It may mean they're operating out of the spirit, but they just they haven't been taught how to do it in a, in a healthy, wholesome way. I don't think there's a conflict. In fact, <clears throat> the chapters that talk most about the gifts here, chapter 12 and 14 of Corinthians, you know, what's in the middle? Chapter 13, the greatest chapter on love. 
All right. And so the, the, the chapter that expounds so poetically about the, the greatest fruit of the Holy Spirit is surrounded by two chapters that go into the depths of operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so there's not a contradiction. They're actually to be used uh, uh, together and they're intertwined. Um, it's no accident that the Bible is written that way. In verse seven, it says uh, of the passage I read, it says to each one. Um, it says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. All right. Are you a believer? Do you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins? If you do, raise your hand. All right. Okay. That means that the Holy Spirit has a supernatural manifestation of himself uh, for each and every one of you. There's no exceptions because the Bible says for everyone uh, he has uh, gifts. You may be unaware or uninformed, and uh, I came across someone who said they were misinformed (laughs) about uh, how the uh, Holy Spirit uh, works, but you have a gift and the Holy Spirit wants you to use it. Being filled with the Spirit, if you're filled with the Spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit's within you. Uh, um, then really all of the gifts are available all right, because the Holy Spirit's in you. And so you have to accept this as true. If you don't believe this, you will never see it. You'll never experience it. You'll limit the Holy Spirit through your lack of faith. But once you begin to believe and meditate on this, you'll begin to see it. What I'm saying here is that because the Holy Spirit dwells in me, I'm a vessel. I talked about this the last few weeks. All of the things that the Holy Spirit does, as talked about in the Bible, everything that's consistent with his character, he can do through me. Because he's in me. It's not me doing them anyway. And so if the Holy Spirit wants prophecy to happen, he can, he can use me if I'm submitted. Or I can pray for someone and they can get healed. Or uh, I can speak in a tongue. Or I can interpret. Or I can have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. Whatever it is. You have to believe this. Right. Now, he does give particular gifts to particular individuals. It says that here. But because of his indwelling presence, if he wants to use me for anything, I'm available. But if you say, I'm not available, you know, you're going to restrict that. It's through lack of faith that the Israelites were not able to enter in the promised land. It's not because God didn't want them to go in there. Amen. Are you hearing me? Right. And so uh, it's, uh, we can limit God by not believing this. But when you believe it, God, I'm a, I, I want to be filled up with the Holy Spirit. And I desire, I desire spiritual gifts. And there are particular ones that God gives each individual that you may be better at or more equipped at. And that he, based on your unique calling, uh, he, he gives particular gifts, but he can use you to do whatever. <clears throat> any of the gifts or any of the manifestations are available. Certain people have offices. Um, this is a different level where they're, they have a unique calling or they're doing it full time. There's another level called like if someone you can prophesy. Anyone can prophesy, the Bible says. But some people have the gift of prophecy, and then some people are prophets, where they function in a level of accuracy and anointing and power. They're usually in full-time ministry, and, and, and we, we understand that there's a difference there, and we respect that difference. And it's God who chooses uh, um, 
who uh, pours out an anointing or uses, chooses how to use people on different levels. Gifts and character are not necessarily, uh, well, actually, they almost have nothing to do with one another. God gives a gift, and it doesn't mean just because someone's operating in a, in a powerful gift that they have the right character. You know, they can actually be really messed up inside, but God's given them a gift, and so they're functioning in a, in a gift, but they haven't gotten their heart healed up. They're still practicing sin. And, you know, yeah, Samson's a great example. Throughout the scripture, God doesn't hide the sins of, of, of the heroes. <laughs> he actually reveals them. Why? Because he wants us to know that everybody's messed up. And we all struggle with difficulties. And just because you're used to do something powerful, or preach or uh, prophesy or, or uh, uh, raise the sick or uh, raise the dead, doesn't mean that you're sanctified yet. All right. And so don't be surprised if there's a big faith healer that uh, gets uncovered that he has a, a moral indiscretion. It's like, yeah, that's that's the way the Bible depicts it. That's that's exactly how it works. You know, just because they're operating in spiritual power doesn't mean they can't read their Bible every day and 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 get prayer ministry themselves and and, you know, make sure they're confessing their sins. And, you know, and so it's it, you can't. Uh Get confused there. Spiritual gifts are spiritual gifts. Character is what God calls us to develop through discipline. Gifts, Gifts are things that are given to us to function, to bring about His purpose. All right, so we want to get in. uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. These last ten minutes. And talk about tongues particularly. It says, Pursue love uh, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. So pursuing the character, the, the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is important, but also desire spiritual things or, or the supernatural. So we're to desire both, we're to seek after both, especially that you may prophesy. And again, this is in the context of a congregational meeting. In other words, when you're gathering together with others, because Paul's purpose is to say, this is how you're supposed to do church services, and prophecy is more beneficial because those around you will benefit. All right. Um, and we want to talk about tongues a little bit because it's it's one of the most basic gifts. And I, I kind of thought of a comparison uh, of math. Um, if if you understand addition, it's not that hard to get multiplication. And if you get multiplication, you can understand division. But if you try to understand division and you've never figured out addition, you're going to have a real hard time. Does that make sense? Right. Well, tongues are basic, and if you understand some of the ways that tongues work, you can understand prophecy and discerning of spirits and all the other things more easily. Tongues is also the things that seems the most unusual, because there's not necessarily a natural parallel. Uh, you know, word of wisdom, well, wisdom, wisdom is just uh, having advanced knowledge or understanding, um, and so that's kind of like wisdom, but it's supernatural wisdom. Okay, we can understand that. But there's not a natural tongue uh, to compare it to. So it's a little uh, more important to, to go into uh, detail here. So, 1 Corinthians uh, 14.2, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. 
However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. First point is tongues are a personal spiritual language. Tongues are a personal spiritual language. No man understands him. So, does that mean some people understand him? No, it means no one understands him. Because in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. He does not speak to men, but to God. So when someone is praying in their supernatural language in tongues, they're, they're talking to God, not to any person. All right? <clears throat> At times, the miracle of hearing um, uh, of someone speaking in tongues and someone hears them and saying, oh, that's Chinese. Okay? And that happens frequently. Uh, but that's not biblical tongues as we know it. That is a unique experience that can happen. Now, often, if you read commentaries, especially written by people who have never experienced tongues, they will say that tongues is a supernatural gift of God giving someone the ability to talk a language they didn't learn naturally. But that's not what this says, because this says when someone prays in tongues, he talks to no, no one understands him, even somebody on the other side of the planet. And he's not talking to men, but he's talking to God. Paul, in verse 10 and 11, says there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world. Oh, he doesn't use the word tongues here. In fact, he uses a different Greek word when he refers to languages, when he refers to other human languages. He says he's comparing it. He says There are many different kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. They're all important. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of a language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, so he's comparing speaking in tongues without interpretation to speaking a foreign language without understanding. But he uses a different word. He's not saying tongues are a foreign language. He's saying if you don't under, if you don't have an interpreter in the congregation, you might as well get up and speak, you know, Greek. Well, not to them; they all knew Greek. <laughs> German, yeah. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> now it can happen. And any of you, if you've read your Bible, you're saying, "Well, what about Acts chapter two? Isn't that what happened?" And this is where they get that understanding from. And let me just explain this. In Acts chapter 2, the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was Pentecost. Um, and the, the initial manifestation of the Holy Spirit filling was they all began to speak in unknown tongues. And the word glossolalia is, is best translated gibberish because no one understood them. It was, it was, they were all speaking in unknown tongues. And it says, When this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And, and you can receive this if you like. If you'd like to understand it a different way, that's fine with, with me. Pick whatever you like. But to me, in a city that's filled with foreigners, okay, there were tens of thousands of people from all over the known world in Jerusalem. Guess what? They were all talking in different languages. I've been in cities where uh, everybody's talking a different language. <clears throat> right? And so to have a dozen people up on a, on a platform speaking in different languages does not create confusion. Okay. In fact, that's what every place had. But what happened was they were all speaking and, oops, sorry. <laughs> this Ethiopian who speaks Ethiopian and this, 
Egyptian who speaks Egyptian both look up and they understood what they were saying perfectly. In fact, everybody around could understand exactly what they were saying. Why? Because they were speaking in a tongue and each individual heard in their own language. It does not say in Scripture that they were speaking in the different languages. They were speaking in glossolalia and the miracle was in the miracle of hearing. Okay, so they all heard, and this is what people couldn't figure out: is how could all these people be? That I hear, did you? What? How could you understand? Were they, everybody could understood understood at the same time, and that to me makes more sense. It, it, it is consistent with the scripture in Corinthians, in that you don't speak to men, and it is consistent in that it caused. A confusion, and everybody was wondering what's going on. They're, they're all talking. We can all understand, but we all speak different languages, but they're all saying one thing and we understand. Uh, nevertheless, there was a uh, uh, outpouring, and the manifestation was this speaking in tongues, and Corinthian gives us an understanding of what the tongues is. Now, I do believe it's valid for God to use tongues in such a way as to... Uh, um, Communicate in a foreign language. I've heard countless testimonies. Uh, some, someone recently said that they, their grandmother would uh, write tongues. <laughs> and then a missionary came over and uh, it was perfect Chinese. You know? And so it can happen. But normally that's not what it is. Okay? Because Paul says it's a language of, uh, refers to it in 1 Corinthians 13.1. It says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Well, it's the language of angels. It's a spiritual language. It's a language that I'm speaking to God and not to man, for no man understands me. It says, <clears throat> second point is that uh, tongues is for personal edification. Corinthians 14.4 He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And this is why in a public meeting, prophecy is more uh, significant because the purpose of a church meeting is to edify the whole. But <clears throat> tongues is for your edification. And so speaking in the tongue builds yourself up spiritually. When you pray in tongues privately, you get stronger spiritually. Why? Because your spirit is communicating to God. All right. Um, <clears throat> and you need that. <laughs> All right. For if I pray in the tongue, Paul says in verse 14, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. It's direct communication from your spirit to God. It bypasses your brain. And that's a good thing. I'm not against brains. I like my brain. Okay. Brains are we need the train we need to have our brains renewed. But when I got saved, I got a new spirit. And that spirit needs to communicate to God unfiltered by my brain. As long as I'm praying with understanding, that means talking in the language that you understand, you're going to filter things. You'll filter things that you don't even know you're filtering. Because you don't know the things you don't know. But your spirit knows. Because your spirit searches the deep things. All right? Your spirit goes places within you that you don't even know exist. And so speaking in tongues allows direct spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication. Think about it for a minute. It's a, it's a main line to God. All right? It's a direct connect. 
I don't know what I said. I don't know what I said. Sometimes I know what I'm praying about. But 99% of the time, but I get edified. Sometimes I cry. Just praying in tongues. I'll just start crying or laughing. Because my spirit's being edified. How often should you pray in tongues? More than everybody else. Why? Because Paul says, I'm glad I pray in tongues more than you all. If Paul was a good Christian, I'm a good Christian. I pray in tongues more than everybody here, I bet. I probably pray in tongues more than all of you combined. <clears throat> I'm serious. I pray in tongues all the time. If you see me riding on my motorcycle, almost for sure I'm praying in tongues. It's great. Praying in tongues. <laughs> I pray in tongues. If we're in an appointment, sometimes I'm just praying in tongues, quietly. People talking to me, I'm praying in tongues. Because I need edification to respond. Uh, you can do this at work. You can do this at home. You can do this while you're driving your car. It's critical for every believer. I believe it's for it's it's a it's direct communication with God. It's not ecstatic babbling. This is how uh, older commentators interpreted it. Because they saw what happened in Acts. Holy Spirit showed up, shaking wind. Ah, they were all excited. And so they think that it only can happen in the certain circumstances. And that's just not true. Because Paul says, if um, uh, somewhere in here, um, verse 15, what is the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. Who does it? Paul does it. What's, what's the conclusion? I'm going to pray with understanding and I'm going to pray in the Spirit. Okay, It's not an ecstatic experience that happens only in certain circumstances. All right? That's not biblical. All right? That's not how it's portrayed throughout Scripture. It can happen in uh, you know, unique circumstances. Uh, and, and the first time it happens, often there needs to be like a breakthrough moment. Um, but it's meant to be a personal spiritual language that you can communicate to God. In fact, Paul says in this chapter, if you read it, if you're in a group and there's nobody there to interpret, then uh, you should just pray quietly between you and God. Right? Um, and some people take that, oh, that means that there's no interpreters, uh, tongues should be forbidden. No, it means you not to be, go up to the microphone, not to shout it out to everybody can hear. Because you have to understand, in the context that Paul was addressing, that's what they do for church. They all were so excited about tongues, they'd get together a group like this, they'd have some worship music, everybody would stand up and talk in tongues out loud at the same time, for as long as they could. You know, and he said, people walk in, they'd think you're crazy, because you were. <laughs> all right? But in, in a meeting, if there's going to be a tongue, then you want to wait for an interpretation. And so that's supernatural, so that um, we can hear what was said, so that there can be edification of, of everyone. But personally, if there's no one to interpret, you can pray in tongues. We encourage people to pray. I pray in tongues every Sunday morning during worship. I'm praying in tongues up here. You know, because I'm just edified. I sing the song, but sometimes I'll just drop down a gear and just pray in tongues. You know, and I'll sing a song and, you know, and I teach. It's just, it's just okay. Does that make sense? 
All right. Um, so what we're going to do is I, I hope that this has given you some information about what tongues are. In January, we realized, or I realized I can't cover even a, a, a tip of the iceberg in a Sunday morning. So we're going to have two uh, weeks, uh, two Saturday classes in January about spiritual gifts and kind of go into depth in January, um, going into depth in spiritual gifts. There's also an excellent book called uh, It's a Beautiful Language or The Beautiful Language by Jack Hayford. Actually, if you go to my blog, I have it highlighted. Huh? Yeah, I don't even know how to get it. Just go to, it's on the bottom of my email, or you go to my Facebook, you can find the link. Or if you ask me, I can give you a link. <clears throat> Tori can give you a link. Is there a link on the webpage to my blog? Yeah, I now have a thing, of my pastor's recommendations. If you click there, you can get spiritual gifts, and there's a book by Jack Hayford, or you can just Google it. Um, it's a great book on the theology of talking in tongues. But tongues is something that God wants. It edifies everyone. And I believe it's, it's the initial gift that really is available to everyone. Not to be used publicly for everyone, but as a personal prayer language, every believer that's spirit-filled can pray in tongues. Just like every believer that's spirit-filled can prophesy or pray for the sick and, and they be raised or, 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 or preach a message, all right, um, because the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But this least of the gifts, the one that's intended primarily for personal edification, you need it. All right? And so he, he wants to give you the gift. It's like Christmas with a present under the tree, and it's waiting there for you. Uh, don't leave it unwrapped. And, but this is what happens for a lot of people, especially if you're here in this type of church. Maybe you, you experienced it once. There was someone here uh, not long ago, and they said, well, I prayed in tongues once. I said, well, what do you mean once? They said, God give you a gift, and you leave it in the back of the closet, and you don't play with it? <laughs> now, how many parents here give their kids a gift? And you spent good money on a gift, and then you find it, Sitting outside, rusted. How do you feel about that? <clears throat> you want God to feel that way about your gift? Do you want God to feel that way about the gift He's given you? So use it. All right, play with it. All right, Adam's going to share some announcements.